But Owen is divorced? Um, not officially. His ex, Tatiana, she's making it complicated. I don't want to say anything bad about Tatiana, but she's a detestable person. She calls herself a lifestyle curator, a thought leader. What is that? Not familiar with it. Owen financed her company. Now she wants to cut him out, and she wants full custody of their child. Huh. Owen is a good dad. Tatiana, really, 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 just, really, just be, really, be really sucks. Oh. Yeah, you got it. You got it right in the thing there. Oops. I mean, Tatiana is hot. That's If you like that sort of thing. But she is so mean to Owen. People are weird. They like me to really like shit. Oh. Really caught myself. Yeah, you did. Put some pressure on this. I don't even feel it. Just wrap it up. Anyway, that's Owen's story. And there's more stuff, but I don't want to betray his trust. Please, I totally understand. Drinking a lot. Hard drugs. Mm. I don't want to say which ones. It's like Percocet, Oxy, Molly. Drugs are no way to deal with your problems. No. It sounds like you really care for Owen. What? That is personal. Just a habit. I ask a lot of questions. I used to be an investigative reporter. I am not in love with Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I never said you were. You did? No. Oh. <laughs> Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Child Hoof Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Thank you for listening to Ruined Childhoods. We are on the final episode of our Hitting the 200 Episode Mark special. This is episode 200 and... Two, 200, yeah, uh, uh, where we are revisiting some of our past episodes and we're sharing our thoughts about the new films in those particular series or TV shows or whatever. Uh, on this episode, we're going to share some news updates regarding film franchises from past episodes. But before that, we're going to revisit our Fletch episode from May of 2021. But first, Dan, how the heck are you? I'm doing all right, John. And, and how about yourself? I'm doing okay. Are you, you are a, a high school teacher. Are you ready? Are you ready for what's coming in the, in the next few weeks? I don't know when your school year starts. Uh, so uh, here in Seattle where I teach high school language arts and uh, theater, I, we start on September 6th. So okay. we're, we're recording this on. You got, you got another week. Yeah. We're, we start a week from from Wednesday, and I've been in my classroom. I've been getting some things ready, and I've got a few things on my plate there. You've been hanging the 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 border the the banner around the border of the classroom with the alphabet on it, and with then the, the U.S. presidents uppercase and lowercase. Yes, I, I took out the script one. Uh, sad. Do they do they not teach cursive in Seattle public schools? No, I feel like every now and again you'll get like some rogue third grade teacher because like because then the kids will be like, oh, I I had I had Mrs. Sorensen for third grade and she taught us cursive. That sounds specific. In my mind, it was the spinning wheel of common names in the area where I live. Okay, so, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and some that weren't common, which is why the wheel didn't stop on them. Because I mean, I have control over that wheel. So you're you're gearing up for the school year. That's exciting. I'm gearing up, but you know, this summer, John, I feel like I've been good about working, especially earlier in the summer. So uh, yeah. for those uh, who wonder what what teachers do over their summer vacation. 
vacations. I mean, some of them I'm sure just totally. And you check say out. vacations in quotes. Summer, summer break, summer break. Yeah is really what I should say. I really kind of got started because at the end of the year, I'm always like, oh man, I should have done more of this and less of that. So uh, in July, I kind of jumped right into it and just kind of got a lot of stuff together and was like, okay, these are decisions I'm making for the next school year. Yeah. So now I'm just kind of getting everything ironed out. And the way that I work is just like whatever my, my mind, my heart, my soul wants to focus on. If it's hanging the border around the classroom, then so <laughs> be it. I'll go do that. But if I'm just like, if I have, if I get a really good idea for like an activity, like a first day of school or first week of school activity, activity i'll just kind of like stop where i am on that and i'll go sometimes i'll just take out my phone and open up like a a google doc and start planning it but that's these days i'm like you know what i'm not going to try to fight it and that's that's how i work but i'm excited we start our first day of like teacher trainings tomorrow so uh, Looking forward to seeing uh, seeing colleagues. I, I, you know, I've already run into a few as I've been been in the building a few times recently. Excited to be back. Excited for the new school year. And it's always, hey, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this one better than I did the last one. Yeah, so that's, that's the point. Now, you in Portland there, you started schools today, did you not? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the day that we're recording, okay, the day this comes out, it will be yesterday. So uh, the day I'm we're recording, it is tomorrow. So for my daughter, it will be her first day of first grade. First day of first grade. Yep. On, yep. yep. And uh, how's she feeling about that? She's First definitely grade. excited. She already knows her teacher and she loves her. So uh, she says that she's nervous, but she has nothing to back it up. You she's know like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, no one's going to know what to do. You, it's your first day. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. That's a, but no, but it's, it's, that's a really Trial good point. by combat. No, exactly. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. No, she'll be she'll be great. She has a mind for first grade, I would say. <laughs> and, um, I've talked to her. I can back that up. And, you know, little nerves are good. It means that you care. I'm excited that she's going to really get to learn how to read properly this year. Uh, That's exciting. Perhaps she will even pick up a Fletch book. Perhaps. You we'll know what's see. funny, John? Sorry, I know you, you were segueing and it was perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I I was gonna tell you, I was like, you let her know that actually one of the things that I'm telling my high school students is you are not expected to come in knowing everything already. Yeah. yeah. So and also some of them will hopefully also get to learn to read better. Yeah. Um <laughs> well, that's your job. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, I'm, but I'm excited for it. Looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you about Fletch. Yeah. So what's so funny is, I, you know, I was listening back to our Fletch episode and I was noticing, that, you know, one of the things that I said, and I don't know if this is in a clip that I pulled, but I was like, I don't think I will watch Fletch again. Uh, the, you know, original Chevy Chase Fletch movie. And, you know, in that episode, we just talked about Fletch Lives, which uh, is not based on any pre-existing source material. It is it, it has gone rogue. But the 
I think Chevy Chase of it all really gets in the way of being able to enjoy Fletch the way that maybe we once were able to, just knowing what he's like oh. nowadays. I, yeah, there's that aspect to it. And I think also when you consider Chevy Chase's performance uh, alongside John Hamm's, right. which it's impossible not to do. But when you think about, okay, what is, what's not there? Because I mean, the Chevy Chase as Fletch, even though like Fletch isn't one of my favorite movies, it, it's definitely, it's, you know, an iconic. It's a showcase for Chevy Chase to be Chevy Chase. Well, and exactly. And I was like, that's it. That's what, because I really liked Confess Fletch. And I was like, that's what makes Confess Fletch stronger Well, one of the things is that it doesn't have the like dream sequences of Chevy Chase singing, uh, you know, zippity doo dah. Yeah, Fletch lives took some uh, bold moves. Yeah, yeah, Fletch lives is Fletch lives aged like the guy who who chose poorly when he was when they were picking the Holy Grail in Last Crusade. There you go. But even in Fletch, when he's you know like imagining he's on the Lakers. Uh, yeah, which I I don't right. I I feel like is not an unnatural extension of the character, but it's a showcase for for Chevy Chase. Yeah, and I was like, that's what Confess Fletch does not have. Yeah, and you know what what I did read is that Gregory McDonald, who created the character of Fletch, he wrote the Fletch novels. Uh, he really liked Chevy Chase as Fletch, and so I respect that. You know, it's not often that an author of you know novels with this one particular kind of character sees a portrayal on screen and is just like yes that's great like i feel like they have a vision in their mind and it's very hard to uh, you know have somebody else pick oh. an actor that matches what kind of what's in their mind or at least comes close to it well, and thinking and you know i i listened to uh you know a, a few chapters of a fletch audiobook and i'll i'll Talk a little bit more about the one that I picked, but, and I know you, you read we'll it. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, no, no. But I would yeah. say, but I, but in regards to the casting of Chevy Chase, I would, I would say definitely considering your casting pool in 1985. Yeah. Yes. Chevy Chase, you know, probably was the the best choice and well, really yeah. fits the character well. Yeah. Why don't we listen to our thoughts, uh, our initial thoughts about hearing about this new Fletch movie that yes. was that was going to be coming out. And what I didn't include is the 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 long history of attempts to bring back Fletch. Uh, if you listen to our episode from May of 2021, you'll hear all about that Kevin Smith. I'm going to circle back to that. Okay. And, uh, I, I, I have a reason to circle back. To okay. That, okay. So. But I didn't include it in our, in the clip that I'm about to play. Uh, but this is really just about, you know, really, because this is you reading me an article and me hearing for the first time what these plans are. So let's give that a listen. So now there's, there's talks again um, with Miramax, which I didn't know that name was even still being used. But uh, Miramax and John Hamm bringing oh, Fletch really? back to, and this is as of last summer. 
was right. when was when this was news. So the, it still could be happening. And I think John Hamm is a good choice. He's certainly a name that came to mind when thinking of who could. And and, and really, and I have to say, in terms of flat, well, he's not my top choice, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a name that came to mind when you have like an iconic performance. It's really challenging to to recreate something like that. And especially with Fletch, which is so Chevy Chase. Uh-huh. And and, you know, one could not argue that that this role is is like like this and Clark Griswold, probably the two defining Chevy Chase roles but I think that there, I think that Chevy Chase has lost so much goodwill. Yeah. That you could replace him and, and no one would complain. Yeah. And, and, and I think like, and I think, you know, John Hamm is a fine option, especially if you're kind of pushing more towards the mystery, less towards, although John Hamm can do comedy great. But yeah. uh, in, like he would play play this as a character. However, he's not my top choice. And I, I I say, why not? Like a Fletch reboot, like investigative journalism, mystery, comedy. It's got a lot of great elements. And, you know, these things are, are you know, not guaranteed crowd pleasers. But why not? So there you go. I mean, there's your why not. So now... It- Having seen Confess Fletch, what do you have to say about uh, about that to past Dan? Oh, past Dan, 2021 Dan, you underestimated the powers of John Hamm Damn and right. Greg Matola. Yeah. Confess Fletch is so much fun. This is this this was the second time that I've watched it. And I so all right, let's first get get it out of the way. I feel like he cleanses the character, like he kind of yes. he cleanses the Chevy Chase out of it. And, you know, like I said, my background on the character from the books is limited, but it feels like he really gets the core of the character, like this guy who just like his personality is so that like in every situation he'll say what he just follows his curiosity. And he'll say and do what he needs to say and do, even if it gets him in, in trouble. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems all of these novels, he why he it's not that he's necessarily looking for the mess he gets into. And yeah. he like something happens and he just can't, you know, let it go. And he's he's pursuing it and yeah, he's pulling on threads. And exactly. Unable to stop. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, I want to give a little synopsis for Confess Fletch, yes. uh, which came out in 2022. Sent to Boston to track down his Italian girlfriend's father's art collection, Erwin Fletch Fletcher is immediately the number one suspect in a murder investigation after he finds a dead body in his townhouse rental. Still on a mission to find the missing art, Fletch is also driven to solve the murder so he can clear his name. And it's a lot of fun. Roy Wood Jr. plays this detective who uh, they have this wonderful <laughs> yes. back and forth. Uh, and, and that detective oh, the has, partner, uh, has a partner, Grizz, Grizz. Uh, who's uh, a, a rookie, I guess, uh, who's just delightful. You have small roles by people like Lucy Punch and Annie Mamolo, and they're yeah. so fantastic. And uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Marsha Gay Harden and... It's lovely. It's really fantastic. And like you were saying, John Hamm gives it a a different 
perspective without feeling like you're watching a different character. It's the same way like it would be with James Bond. You're you're yes. fully aware that it's a different actor playing this same character and they're going to do certain things differently, but, but you're not mad at it because it's well, okay. And the staples are there. The the character of James Bond is yes. there. He evolves with with the times, of course. There but. is this moment in Confess Fletch, and I, I don't have the the exact quote that encourages him to say this, but I believe this is when he's speaking with John Slattery, who's playing his uh, uh, former editor editor at the newspaper he used to work at. And what's oh, what's also interesting is that this newspaper is in a a time during COVID where people are starting to come back to work and he's so uncomfortable in an office where people are working hybrid because it's like, there's no life in the office. So it's, it's a really so, funny moment in time that it captures that I haven't seen a lot in other movies. Well, and I love that callback to kind of like the classic, uh, journalism, especially journalism in movies. You know, when you think about all the president's men yeah. and, and even, you know, some more recent things like spotlight, uh, in which John Slattery, right, uh, you know, was was also there, but but the role, I'm sorry, the line that I'm talking about is John Slattery is talking to him. I think it was either John Slattery or the Roy Wood Jr. character. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I watched this mm. a couple weeks ago and it's already muddy. But he's just like something, something, and then uh, around the corner, and then John Ham goes, "Where the fudge is made." And it's just so yes. like quick and under his breath. And it's like, yes, he, uh, he can't help himself, but say these things out loud that he's thinking that are just like funny and weird. And it's like, it so, you know, and I don't know if I caught that the first time I saw it, but I definitely caught it, uh, when I watched it recently. It's, yeah. I don't remember the first time I saw it, if that was a laugh out loud moment for me, but it was definitely a laugh out loud moment for me the second time. And uh, unfortunately, Confess Fletch did come out during a time where people weren't really coming back, going to like theaters as much. Yeah. I know that I waited until it was out on VOD because I wasn't, I think, ready to go see it in a theater or I like missed my chance because I'm sure that it just like was in a few theaters, didn't perform well because nothing was performing well and came and went. Yeah, I I honestly don't remember if it even played in theaters. I don't remember. It did play it in theaters. Play. It did play in theaters. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. it was probably just like a week or two tops probably. And I think that uh it's it's a real shame. I mean, clearly you and I both really enjoy Confess Fletch. I mean, I feel like in a way it does make me want to watch the original Fletch again. I mean, the original Fletch does have some like great lines and, and similarly to the, to the, where the fudge is made line, mm -hmm. you know, in the original Fletch, when Chevy Chase is, uh, you know, posing as a doctor and says his name is Dr. Rosen penis, just because like the, the board says all the Rosen names for the doctors yeah. and stuff. And, uh, you know, just like the muttering under the breath thing, you know, John Hamm does it so well. And, uh, He's he's charming and he's he's fun and he's interesting and I think that he really honors the character in a really cool way and uh, I'm always down to see what what John Hamm is going to do and also who doesn't love to see John Hamm and John Slattery teaming up no like I, I feel it, like you should just always have them together 
It in feels some right. Way. It does feel right. It that's does a, feel right. You know what, John? I can say a lot that I think that's a great way to sum up Confess Fledge is it just feels right. It's a really comfortable. I could see it being becoming just like one of those comfort movies. Yeah. And that's just like, I need something that's just going to make I me put get, on like a barb and star. Andy Mamolo. There you go. But uh, An Andy Mamolo double feature. Yeah. Coming actually going back to the idea of the kind of lack of, of fanfare, like that, you know, this type of reboot would have once gotten. Yeah. I think the pandemic kind of accelerated the process, but it just, it feels like, uh, you know, pop culture and zeitgeist doesn't have the same attention span as it once did. Totally. Like, like where in in 1989 when they I think it was 1989 when they made like the because finally this the, the sequel to Gone with the Wind the novel oh, had yeah. been published and then the, I well okay yeah um and then you know in 19 like when they remade it and it was like oh big deal it was a TV movie starring Joanne yeah. Wally Kilmer and those type of things when it's like oh there's gonna be a new Robin Hood and oh, Kevin Costner I mean you know yeah. we, but. You know, at that point, we we didn't know. I feel like we like there's that lack of excitement. There's also that lack of like real st- like star power. Yeah. Whereas you know, once upon a time, John Hamm would have been like a you know leading man, a list star, and it's I I just feel like movies are less about that these days, and it's more about the concepts and also the I think that John Hamm. After the success of Mad Men, once he started acting in movies, made a lot of really deliberate choices, and whether he was bridesmaids, well, oh yeah, you know, showing up in bridesmaids in a bit part, and I feel like and that introducing was the first us to one. funny John Hamm, right, was was a lot was really fantastic because we're so used to. Madman John Hamm, who's so intense all the time. And then, you know, we see him in, you know, he's in like the town and uh, we, what is it like million dollar arm or something like it's a right. very, a different type of movie at least. But then you see him in a lot of comedies, uh, especially on television, like 30 Rock and Curb Your Enthusiasm. And you see the, the funny John Hamm, like being a very smart comedic actor Right. And and not you know, he's do he's doing something that's very true to him. He's not trying to be somebody else. And it and it works. But it's not something that's so outrageous that it's gonna catch a lot of people's attention in a way that gets people to flock to see whatever movie he's gonna do. Right. Well, I feel like at in another time, another place, he could have been built into that type of star like on like you know he could have been someone considered to play jack ryan you know right yeah Uh, and i know that they were you know people were saying like oh maybe for superman but it's like he's too old for superman right and and i'm i'm glad that he was because i don't know i feel like it would have been a little sad to see him go super mainstream after you know the success but also for quite a while and they're not together anymore but he was with jennifer westfeld uh and you know who's an independent director and yeah you know he did some films with her uh friends with kids was one of them and mm-hmm. uh it was really great to see him not just going for the money grabs 
he was making intelligent right. choices. And I'm sure that it was very fulfilling for him as an actor to be able to do this stuff. By the way, actors are on strike and support them and so on and so forth. We don't have to talk about that. We've talked about it before. Uh, but Dan, I want to play what we were, what we were thinking uh, when we had our episode on Fletch back in 2021 about, uh, you know, a future for Fletch. I'll Lay start with you. Me. All right. Uh, so I wrote down four names for my possible okay. Fletch re- replacements. Um, first, uh, an honorable mention to, to both Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon, who I thought if 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 they ever gender swapped Fletch, uh, mm-hmm. they I, especially Kate McKinnon. I think Kate McKinnon would be absolutely She'd be great. hilarious. She'd yeah. be so great. Um, but in terms of casting, uh, you know, recasting Fletch as uh, as a man, my top choice who I think would actually be brilliant and would redefine the role is Andy Samberg. Oh yeah. He'd be great. Andy Samberg as Fletch totally clicks for me as, yeah. and, and then the other names I had down, cause it was like, Oh, you know, what are some different directions you could go with? Not someone who's kind of doing like Andy Samberg, I think could do, could give us the Fletch that we expect without it being Chevy chase. Right. I think Keegan Michael Key, <laughs> okay, could be a really uh, I like. I would love to see him do that type of of role where he's playing a, a journalist and yeah. you know he he kind of gets to be funny, but he's he's really like focused on being an investigative journalist. Um, I thought, and I thought Adam Driver for some reason. Oh, that's interesting. I was okay. like, I was thinking about. It, I was like. You know, Adam, I guess I was watching like Logan Lucky recently and mm. there's a couple of things where I, I feel like Adam Driver can can do humor. He can do comedic roles. Yeah. And I, I, I like I know, like, you know, we see him either playing like serious or like he's he's Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he can do here. I'm also thinking of his role in uh, Midnight Special. Which, oh, yeah. even though it's not a comedic role, he no. kind of it's it's a little bit it, it, there's a little something different from Adam Driver in that. So I think Adam Driver would be good. I was thinking about it, Aziz Ansari as well as someone who mm-hmm. I was like, eh, he's kind of got that like he'd almost bring that same like that kind of Chevy Chase energy of of kind of always having a wisecrack to say and always being uh-huh. able to talk his way out of situations. So that was that that was where I went and I I really didn't have any other ideas other than to go back to the novels. Like the Fletch Lives yeah, wasn't based on any of the novels and there's all these novels. So this could really be a great uh you know a solid franchise and it could work uh you know it it could work like big screen, why not? And it I it, and even though it would work fine as something that like Netflix or, or uh, Prime or, or Hulu produces, I still think the I don't there's something about like these kind of long awaited like reboots and, and revivals just kind of dropping on streaming services that feels like kind of anticlimactic. Uh-huh. So I, I think I would want to see Fletch in the theater, though Fletch could also work as a uh as a series or you could totally. do it. I, I would well the type of series I was thinking about was something like Sherlock, where 
each episode of Sherlock is and this is the BBC Sherlock, where it, it, it's almost like, like a mini movie uh-huh. each episode. And they don't really have much have that much connection to each other. You can kind of jump around with with Sherlock. Right. So I, I think like if you were going to do a Fletch series. That's that's how it would work is 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 it kind of being those like, you know, whatever hour long, 70 minute long mini yeah. movies. But yeah, OK, that that's cool. what I would do. And not having read the novels, had I read the novels, yeah, I would probably kind of want to do read the novels, though. Yeah, I I'm, I would I'm, just hope that I could do it without thinking of Chevy Chase as being Fletch, you know? Yeah. It, it kind of depends on how the book is written. And I know that, that Gregory McDonald would like, you know, would thought, thought highly, uh, or at least approved of Chevy Chase's performance. Uh-huh. But I have to imagine the character is not written to be Chevy Chase in right. the books. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to check one out. Sounds like a good beach read for the summer. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That that ramble was a seventy minute mini movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dad. Uh, what that all makes me think of is a a very similar uh, series to uh, somebody like Fletch, who is not a detective. He is a journalist, but kind of becomes a detective. Uh, kind of like I don't know, J.B. Fletcher and Murder. She wrote. Anybody who's uh, been listening the past several episodes know that I've been working my way through the whole series. So I've the got other Fletch. She wrote on the brain. Yeah, the other Fletch, the other Fletcher. And for some uh, reason, I thought you were going to say Hooperman, like the series that had John Ritter for like a se- no that, like, lasted a season. No, no, no of course no. not. Murder no, she wrote. Murder she wrote. That makes perfect. And I'm very excited because the next episode that I'm that I'm up to, I believe, is a uh, Murder she wrote Magnum PI crossover episode. Oh my! Must have been sweeps. Look at the original <laughs> air date. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I know that I'm into 1986. I got to say it's probably September. So, oh, okay. yeah, All something right. like that. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll report back. I want to play my thoughts because uh, mine kind of came directly after what you, what you had said. And then we have a lot to say. All right. I actually did think of a... Another sequel, the third in the Fletch trilogy. Uh, I have not read any of the books, so this is not from any particular source material. And I have not done any research to see if maybe this actually was. But uh, I thought that a really good follow-up to Fletch Lives would be Fletch Dies. You know, it would make sense that this would take place, you know, 30 two years later or whatever. So uh, the the plot that I had in mind is that Fletch is found dead and a uh, an investigative journalist at the paper that Fletch worked at finds out that something is left to them in Fletch's will. And it's a video that Fletch made explaining that something from his past and some people from his past, he thinks that they're out to get him and he's concerned that something is going on and he's worried for his life. He's not as young as he was, so he doesn't isn't maybe as able to wriggle out of situations as easily, you know, uh, climb out of fire escapes, if it were. 
And uh, this young journalist has to figure out what's going on. But in order to solve a mystery of Fletch's death, you have to think like Fletch to do it. So that's uh, that's my idea. Are you looking up the the titles of the books to see if there was a Fletch dies? Oh, uh, I surely didn't do that. I just kind of Googled Fletch dies and, and oh, didn't okay. come up with anything. That's surprising because it seems like such a logical next step for the Fletch series. You know, and I hadn't really thought too much about casting decisions. I think that somebody like Kate McKinnon would also be good as a younger Fletch type, you know, somebody who could definitely pull that off. There's, you know, there's a lot of really great young actors out there who I think would be good. I think that Beanie Feldstein would also be pretty good. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Somebody who's like really low at Kinda the like newspaper. Kind of like Robin in the paper, you know, like the intern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like, why am I being left to figure this out? And, you know, it's like, of course, there's some sort of reason, some sort of link that makes it make sense. I don't she know would not would be, be his daughter. Nope, nope, no, nope, 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 no. We know what you're yeah. thinking. No, I, no. of course, you, you start to think like, oh, what about, you know, the son of Fletch? And it's just like, nope, no, yeah. N- no, yeah, because otherwise, it's like, yeah. what, otherwise just make a remake. <laughs> like, no, and I think like, hey, you could get Chevy Chase in for an afternoon to film one segment that ends up being like, just talking into a camera kind of thing. He wouldn't have to leave the house. He wouldn't. No. Because also, if it's taking place present day, he would probably just record it on a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got. I like that I thought idea. that'd be fun. I think it's yeah. a nice way to revive the property and like reboot the franchise. Because then, of course, you set yourself up with, uh, you know, for sequels with this kind of new Fletch Maybe maybe part of the inheritance right. is the nickname of Fletch. Yeah, I don't know. I, who knows? Who knows? But uh, I don't know. that's what I got. So I I kind of see a little crossover between like the the new Fletch and Grizz. Oh yeah, Grizz. There's that uh, little bit there. Yeah, she's kind of like a spazzy weirdo, <laughs> but like really good at her job. Yeah, so that all said, I wanted to talk about the books because at that time we had not touched any of the books. No. Uh, you said that you listened to a little bit of an audiobook of one of them. Which one is that? So, John, I was uh, curious because, of course, we know in the history of the attempts to reboot Fletch, uh, Kevin Smith famously was going to direct. Jason Lee as Fletch in Fletch One, which right. I W O N, right? And which I always thought was kind of an odd casting choice. Like I like Jason Lee. Oh, I get I get that casting choice completely. Well, once you listen to the audiobook of Fletch One, you will see it clear as day. <laughs> I read the first few chapters of Fletch One. That's about I... what I listened to. Okay. Well, what about the audiobook made it seem it like might have him? Been, it might have been the way that the guy was reading it. And also, like, I was listening, I was kind of intentionally listening to it to kind of see, like, all right, do I see Jason Lee? Yeah. Like, Jay, like mid to late 90s Jason Lee. 
So in the book Fletch One, what happens is at the at this point, Fletch is working for a paper, uh, kind of just writing headlines, and he's given the opportunity to write a piece on a couple who's giving five million dollars to an art museum, and he's supposed to interview the couple at like ten o'clock, but it turns out that the guy is found dead in the parking lot of the newspaper and uh, Fletch just kind of, you know, noses his way into talking with the cops. And then he goes, still goes to the people's house and talks to the person who he thinks is the wife, but turns out it's not. And he is encouraged to completely disrobe and swim in their pool because he had been held Mm -hmm. up at a, at a a liquor store and smelled like booze. So he's swimming nude in their pool And this woman runs away with his clothes or whatever. And so he has to wear the dead guy's clothes. And it's just, it's, it was very strange. I didn't, I didn't keep going for very long. I probably would have if we were, if we were recording this at at a later date, but. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know if reading it and you're right. It could be in the way that it was read Whoever was the person, it wasn't Jason Lee for the record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps it made more sense with the way that that person read it, because uh, I read the book Fletch's Fortune, mm-hmm. which is the book that follows uh, Confess Fletch, I believe, which is yeah. the second in the series. Which is the second in the series, and Greg Matola is trying to make that movie. Oh, good. Yeah. So he's like, I don't know if they're going to let me do it, but I'm going to prepare as if I'm going to be able to. And I'm all for that. Yeah. And Fletch's fortune. And let me see if I can uh, sum it up uh, easily. But there's going to be a convention of uh, American journalists and Fletch, who is at this point unemployed. He's working on a, you know, he's living in Italy and he's working on a uh, biography about somebody. And he is uh, informed by the CIA. They are aware that he has never paid taxes and is willing to uh, erase that information from the records if he will go to this journalism conference with this recording equipment and like bug all of the rooms so that the CIA can find out what's going on, you know, behind closed doors with all these journalists. So it's just him at this journalism conference. And of course, you know, the the president of the Alliance of Journalists or whatever is found dead before he gets there. And it's kind of like solving the whole thing and who did it because everybody's still there. And um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. I because it all takes place really in one big location, right. which is a plantation which i feel is i i do know that gregory mcdonald that gregory mcdonald that's his name right the author yeah in fletch lives there's like of course a big plantation situation uh and there's a plantation in this one and it's just like what is the deal with plantations i know that he had nothing to do with fletch lives but that probably comes from the fact that there are right. plantations in other books yeah. uh and i guess i uh, gregory mcdonald lived on a plantation and also was a very outspoken advocate for anti-clan activity. So oh. I feel better about the all the plantation business knowing yes. that he was very much against like, you know, a, a lot of the things that uh plantations can be known for. 
So yes. I'd say Fletch's fortune, knowing that Greg Matola is working on it, I have full faith in him. Um, I hope that it happens because it also I trust another, him with a plantation. I trust him with with John Ham as Fletch. And I I don't know. I feel like reading Fletch's fortune and the first few chapters of Fletch one, I could see both Chevy Chase and John Ham in those characters in different elements. Mm. There are certain things that Fletch says where I'm like, I could see Chevy Chase saying this, but I can't see John Ham saying this. And there were certain times where it's just like, oh, that is a characteristic that I can definitely see of John Ham, but not of Chevy Chase. Right. right. Because the character of Erwin Maurice Fletcher is like somebody who women are just drawn to and uh, he has a very easy way of speaking with them and i feel like that comes across better from john ham than it does from chevy chase who i feel comes across sleazier smarmy yeah there's more sincerity yeah. coming from john ham where it's exactly. just like it's just like this is a guy who speaks his mind and who yeah and and yeah. the uh the lothario nature that he has is kind of you know, just baked in and kind of underneath the surface. Whereas for Chevy Chase, I feel like it'd be more on the surface. It's more of like a game he's trying. Whereas like with John Hamm, it's just like, well, oh, how did I end up here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, it was interesting and it did make me understand Chevy Chase's portrayal of Fletch in the original too. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. And uh, you know, we said in one of them, like, what a good beach read. And you know what? It was a yeah. perfect summertime read. Like, it it goes fast and, you know, you can do it in a day if you really wanted to. And it's a total beach read. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know what? You can read it wherever you want. Support your local library. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Or independent booksellers. Hey, you know. There you go. Yeah, I imagine you could probably get the entire Fletch series somewhere pretty cheap. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Dan, uh, before we move on, do you have any yeah. other thoughts about about Fletch and Confess Fletch? I mean, we clearly like it a lot. It's currently streaming on Paramount Plus. No, I've I've said my piece. I really, you know, was pleased with it and you know, look forward to going back a third time. Yeah, I know. I it's just kind of sitting there waiting for us whenever we need it. Uh, good background movie, good foreground movie, good movie. Exactly. Just a good movie. So Dan. All right. Now we're going to go back and we're going to do kind of lightning round style talking about some of our, uh, our other episodes where maybe there hasn't been a new movie or a sequel or a prequel or reboot or remake or whatever, but there's been news about something having to do with bringing a new life to it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to devote three minutes to each one. And uh, when those three minutes are up, we just move on to the next one. We and here's, on. and here's how we're going to know. I have prepared a three-minute sound clip that is going to go just kind of underneath what we're what we're talking about. It is the score from Bloodsport. Nice. And at the and at the very end, well, first of all, when you hear the Kumite chant, that means we have one minute left. Nice. And then at the very end, when its time is up, I just put a cuckoo clock sound effect in there. 
Oh, okay. That, of course. <laughs> Why not? Is that not in the movie already? Or No, but I was just like, I don't know. I need something as kind of like a... You know, final sound, and why not a why not a fun little cuckoo clock? Yeah, it's time. All okay. right, shall I begin? Yeah, let's go. All right, so uh, the last Starfighter. There's been no news about any uh, any new sequels or anything that's kind of gone stagnant. I've read some articles saying that there's going to be the you know the one with the the writer from Rogue One. Starfighters. Yeah, but yeah. but but then others saying that that's gone flat. But so who knows? But there is a new 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray uh, out uh, distributed by Arrow Video. And Arrow had released another Blu-ray a few years ago, and it has it has a lot of the same special features on it, um, mm-hmm. but it is of course 4K Ultra HD. Um, I know that the Blu-ray that I have is, I mean, it might be 1080p, and um, honestly, it like skips and is weird. I think it's like made on a pretty cheap disc, so I think I'm gonna be getting it. It includes commentary with Lance Guest and his son. Okay. All right. His son. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I really want to get this version of it so that I can hear kind of what like the star of the last Starfighter thought, uh, the star of the last Starfighter's son thinks about like his dad's legacy. That's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Oh, that that's interesting. That's that might be worth checking out. Yeah. Um. The there's there's also an article that came out and I want to see exactly when this was. But uh, the actor Zachary Levi. Dan, are you a Zachary Levi fan? Of Shazam fame. Of Shazam fame, exactly. I know, I know, and other things. Do I, 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 am I a fan? I, I, I I thought Shazam was fine. I thought it was fun. Um, You know. I I have no objections to Zachary Levi. Yeah. Well, as a person, he said some pretty, you know, not cool things, some uh, homophobic things. And what really? But there was an article that came out in January of this year uh, where he said, I don't want to do a remake. Uh, Shazam actor Zachary Levi doesn't want to ruin the magic of the last Starfighter with a lackluster remake. So I guess there was a there was some point where somebody was fan casting him in the last starfighter which first of all he's way too old <laughs> he's like you know yeah. he's like 50 <laughs> or no. maybe like mid 40s no. and yeah exactly and uh yeah he didn't want to uh, ruin the magic so i mean i don't want him to ruin the magic of the last starfighter but i feel like you know in the right hands the magic could not be ruined yeah uh, yeah, no, no real, no news, no progress. Just the Gary Witta, um, you know, kind of like test footage and like demo yeah. stuff, which was pretty fun to see. It was pretty, it, uh, it was pretty cool uh, to watch. But uh, yeah, no, no real movement on that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our first. Hey, three minutes. There it goes. Yeah, I mean, I. I feel like we stretched it out a little bit at the end there, but that oh, was good. I that felt comfortable. All, all worth it. Okay. All right. You want me to hit the next one, or do you have something prepared? Uh, so yeah, I do have uh something prepared. Go for so, it. So, uh, Vertigo, uh, the PlayStation Four game. I, uh, I got a copy of uh, Vertigo and played it. And what's uh, it like? 
What's it like? All right. So first is there of all, a, is, is like Jimmy Stewart in it? No, no. Okay. First of all, it is modern day. It is set modern day in San Francisco uh, still in, in the Bay area. Yes. Okay. Uh, it is, it is in the Bay area. Your main character is a writer who, um, I, I, um, is in like a car accident and says that his, like his daughter and her mother were killed in it, but like he's not married. Doesn't have a, I don't know. So there's all there's this stuff about like what's real and what isn't, and there's like this mysterious like you know a uh, hiker with a you know a hurt ankle who shows up at his house, which mm. is kind of like out in the middle of the woods, and you know she's you know of course like you know uh, you know cute little petite early 20s yeah um who sh- you know shows up while he's trying to write and there's it there's, it's not like a game you sit there and you're watching is there it like and, a kim novak type of kim novak was in vertigo right yeah 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 no there's 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 like nothing um i mean it's kind of like if they were to say okay if hitchcock were a filmmaker today and was just kind of mediocre uh, okay what would he make? So that's what this is. Uh, it's got like a, you know, the, the the protagonist I would say is more like John Krasinski would be okay, kind huh. of a, a stubbly John Krasinski, uh, who I suppose is kind of like, I don't know, something close to a modern day Jimmy Stewart. He fits that where like he's initially very likable, but then there's kind of there's some, there's a darkness to him. Yeah, yeah, he's so. charming, but also it's like you never know. I you can never see know John him. Krasinski being that the Jimmy Stewart uh, proxy. So I yeah. I can't hear if the cuckoo clock went off. But. Oh no, not yet. Oh, is it not loud enough for you? So uh, okay. Also, I yeah. uh, of other Hitchcock films. What else do you think might work as a video game? I know my answer. Um, I, I mean, probably North by Northwest. That's my answer. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's set up the most like a video game with all these like levels and like henchmen and big bosses. Yeah. And there's excitement to it. There's chases. There's, yeah, a lot more uh, locations. As, I mean, compared to like Rear Window, especially. I mean, with this, like, you don't even really do anything. It's like, okay, you press this button. Okay. All right. Well, I got a fun one for us. All right. All right. So Mattel's CEO expects Masters of the Universe to be as big as the MCU. So this is going off of our Masters of the Universe, uh, you know, discussion. So uh, this is in Slash Film. It said, uh, despite numerous starts and stops over the years, Mattel... uh, may well use the success of Barbie to help further revive the 80s-born Masters of the Universe toy line, something that's been riding on nostalgia alone for far too long. After becoming CEO, Inan Kriez, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, saw the potential in Masters of the Universe that a lot of executives have failed to recognize. He says it's as big as Marvel as big as Marvel and DC. He said that to the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're not going to hear us complaining about a potential <laughs> masters of the universe 
continuation yeah. saga series. You know what I was thinking about uh, after seeing the Barbie movie and of course hearing all of the, you know, like conservative right wing backlash that you'd yeah. expect about like, they're trying to turn us all gay. They're indoctrinating us. Yeah. All I thought of was like, oh shit, wait for the Masters yeah. of the Universe wait till they, movie. Wait till they see this guy. Just a bunch of greased <laughs> up muscly men in like loincloths, uh, you know, like 300 <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I did want to bring up, uh, just the other day, I saw our friend, friend of the podcast, Box Brown, from our Heavyweights episode. He was in town in Portland nice. uh, signing some stuff at a comic book show. And of course, I went out to see him because he has a new book. Uh, he does graphic nonfiction for anybody who's unfamiliar with, with Box Brown. And he has a new book called The He-Man Effect, How American mm-hmm. Toy Makers Sold You Your Childhood. And I'm just going to read the description that I saw on Powell's.com. In his new graphic novel, Box Brown unravels how marketing that targeted children in the 1980s has shaped adults in the present. Powered by the advent of television and supercharged by the deregulation era of, deregulation era of the 1980s, media companies and toy manufacturers joined forces to dominate the psyches of American children. But what are the consequences when a developing brain is saturated with the same kind of marketing bombardment found in the Red Scare propaganda? This book shows how corporate manipulation brought muscular, accessory-stuffed action figures to dizzying heights in the 80s and beyond, bringing beloved brands like He-Man, Transformers, My Little Pony, and even Mickey Mouse himself into the spotlight. This graphic history exposes a world with no rules. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm really... I just got the book. I'm really excited to read it. And... It's so perfect to go into the conversation with Barbie being such a huge success. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited and I'm thrilled that the timing for uh, Box worked out that way. So considering how big they hit with Greta Gerwig as a director for Barbie, who would they go with for Masters of the Universe? I vote John Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> or just Greta Gerwig. Why not? Well, I look, no arguments there. I prefer that that to um, the Chronicles of Narnia series that she's doing. Yeah, yeah, but but I, I trust her. I trust her. At this her. point, uh, you know, for me, in terms of her uh, directorial efforts, especially, she she's she's a solid three for three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna try to squeeze two into this next segment. Okay. Because I feel like these ones are are two uh, briefies. Okay. Got it. All right, so there's the Roadhouse updates, and uh, I had it listed as sequel, but it's really a remake. Uh, Doug Liman is directing uh, this one. He, for anybody who isn't unfamiliar, did Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Edge of Tomorrow. The Born um, Identity. Born Identity, of course. Uh, and the, the description is, in the Roadhouse remake, Jake Gyllenhaal will play the role of James Dalton, a former UFC fighter who takes a job as a bouncer at a rowdy bar in the Florida Keys. Dalton soon discovers that only some things are what is are what is seems in his tropical paradise. And I believe that Conor McGregor is also in it. Isn't he oh. like an I think he's an MMA guy. He is oh yeah, no, very well known UFC uh, fighter. Yeah. Or so fighter, yeah. I don't know. I I know it's gonna be very different from the original. It's not going to ruin the original for anybody. We'll see if he tries to rip out anybody's throats. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there are elements of the original that it's like, don't even try. 
Don't even try to to do that. Like, be your own roadhouse. I mean, Ben Gazzara, first of all, uh, you know. Oh, uh, you can't you can't beat him as uh, the the villain, the wealthy villain, um, and also a scene where a monster truck takes out a car dealership. I mean, I, I think you know what maybe gets overlooked in a lot of these uh, remakes is what makes the originals great. And like, it, Roadhouse was not like a lauded film upon release. It, no, it it gained a cult following because of things like the throat ripping and the lines about like you know be nice until it's time to not be nice also it's peak Swayze time right it's crazy for Swayze and yeah yeah, and the action is great but like Bengus but like shit like monster trucks yeah and it was perfect for the era also Sam Elliott it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and wh- really sorry. Works. While we're while we're talking about Roadhouse, I'd be remiss in not saying pour one out for the late great, the legendary Terry Funk, who uh, professional wrestler who was in Roadhouse. Uh, oh, was one of the one of the bouncers at the Double Deuce uh, when Dalton first comes on. Got it. Okay. Yes, but Terry um, Funk passed away. Um, rest in power. Recently. Yeah. The the. I'm going to squeeze this one in really quickly. This is a separate one, but there's the Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley, the next iteration in Beverly Hills Cop. It's just going to be released on Netflix maybe later this year. We'll see what happens with all with strikes and everything if it's finished. I mean, it's been filmed. But reshoots and anything like that, I mean, who's to yeah. say if it's it can come out later this year? I suppose. It's, it's, it sounds like the plot has to do with uh, Axel Foley investigating corruption. Ahmed Foley? Ah, Ahmed. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. <laughs> I tell you it's true. Ah. I love Bronson Bichot is back in it as He's well. He's back, baby. Yes. All right. All right. I'm going to try to do another uh, cram a few into one. All right. You ready? All right. Yeah. Dan, have you seen the trailer for The Exorcist Believer? I have indeed. What'd you think? I saw well. First of all, I saw it in the movie theater, sitting oh. next to my nine-year-old daughter. Oh, um, also, Jeez, I, what did they show it in front? Oh, wait, of? wait, wait. Hold on a second. No, never mind. Sorry. They, I thought they showed it in front of Barbie. The, I mean, look. No. The, um, no, no, no. They showed it in front of Opp- Oppenheimer. Never mind. Oh, okay. I saw okay. It. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, to me, it looks like uh, kind of your. Run of the mill, like there's these new exorcism. there's this exorcism, exorcism movie. like the Pope's Exorcist. I was watching a little bit of that on Netflix because it looked goofy, yeah. uh, and I I was, you know, I, I think that love anyone who heard our uh, Exorcist episode knows how much I love the original film, and I'll, another poor one out for William Friedkin who just passed. Yeah, um, absolutely. But now this new exorcist believer, I am so, like, you're bringing back Ellen Burstyn to try to make us think like, Oh, it, it's, it's going to be like the original. Mm, it does not. I'm not sold. Yeah. I think that I was, you know, feeling encouraged by that, fi- by that fact. But after I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh no, nope. It's just standard. Like, what's yeah. the gimmick this time? Is oh, there's two of them, and yeah. and the and oh, and we're gonna like. I thought that in terms of connecting it to the original film, the series, the Fox series, did a much better job. Well, yeah, I. It was kind of cool when uh, I 
Ellen Burstyn was just like, you know, like we've met before, and it's like, hello, mother, or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. That was kind of fun. I don't know, as fun as that kind of well, thing could be. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's it's gimmicky. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to also give an update on the, uh, I don't know, long rumored twins, uh, sequel triplets, uh, which everybody kind of thought maybe it could happen. They've always been talking about different people who could possibly be in it, but I guess, uh, since Ivan Reitman is no longer with us, it is, it is no longer, I guess, um, Jason Reitman. I, I, you know, stopped the project, uh, according to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I uh, said Jason Reitman literally stopped the project when his father died. His father wanted to do it really badly. I wanted to do it really badly. Danny DeVito wanted to do it really badly. We had the financing. When his father passed away, Jason says, I never liked the idea and put a hold on it. So triplets is not likely to ever happen. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. I feel like it would have just been kind of an attention grab, and uh, Tracy Morgan was going to be the the third, and it's oh, like not Eddie Murphy. I guess not, because that I, was like that was the, the latest. Original. I guess was Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. So it's like insert black comedian here. Yeah, I think oh, so. No. So I and I so I I guess maybe that's a good segue kind of into. Uh, into Greece. Um, Go for it. So now Paramount Plus uh, pulled uh, Greece: Rise of the Pink Ladies. Um, by the time they scrubbed it from the from the platform, they said it was in preparation to for merging with Showtime. It was kind of like you know, I guess clearing, you know, making sure you have room for your, you know, I don't know, your all of your Dexters and uh, billions. And uh, you know, I, John, I know you didn't get to watch any of it. Do you remember? Did you watch the trailer for it? Nope. Nope. All right. I found out about it after it had already gone away. So I watched, I had watched the trailer for it and my impression, and please, if you watched it, if you can, you know, expand upon this, please email us at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. But it felt to me like it was a ways, oh, wow, gee, generations love Greece, but huh, Greece is kind of A, misogynistic, and B, white. Yeah. Uh, and not necessarily in that order. So let's maybe, let's make a version of Greece that isn't. So they went backwards in time, like yeah. five years. It takes place like five years before Greece, which Greece is, I guess, the class of 1959. So this takes place in like 1954, 1955. Granted, we know Rydell High is in California, so like segregation, um, like legal segregation wouldn't have been an issue. But it feels like, it's like Rise of the Pink Ladies, and it's how the Pink Ladies are basically founded by like all the quote-unquote bad girls in the school. And it's like, it's like a token collection. Because right. it's like, and we're gonna sh- we're gonna diversify it. So here's gonna be our Latina, and here's gonna be our Black Pink Lady, and our Asian Pink Lady. Gotcha. And interesting. So um, to me, it just it seemed like a like there was some good intention in there, but just like a 
a misfire that also kind of in a weird way while it's attempting to add diversity whitewashes the truth of yeah. like of high Absolutely. school in the 1950s yeah uh, I'm going to try to squeak one in the last 30 seconds here, but uh, it's relevant. So I guess they're trying to bring Soap Dish to Paramount Plus as a series. And uh, reading this article in Slash Film, uh, fil- after a failed remake attempt in 2011, the project is now part of the NAACP's production partnership with CBS Studios. So uh, they say, I consider it a real coup to be working with Jenny Snyder Ehrman. She's a powerhouse in every sense, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, yeah, they're trying to get a television reboot in at Paramount Plus. So we'll see what happens with that. Your timing there was so good. I was like, I was gonna jump in with something, but I was like, the timing was was perfect. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I will say like a good deal of the original cast is still alive and working, so. We'll see I, what happens. It does make me sad that that we would not have uh, Carrie Fisher back. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, but but that like performance will just remain forever, and I love it. I love that movie. So yeah, uh, we'll to be seen. Well, speaking of movies that we love that have proven to work on television, Fargo season five debuts on november 21st of this Just year back to john ham <laughs> back to john ham we have john ham joe keery juno temple jennifer jason lee it's i mean great cast i was reading a an, an article about it and it was really making it seem like the last season which is the one with chris rock and andrew bird and uh, jesse buckley that takes place in the i believe 50s in jason, kansas well, city it was jason schwartzman too yeah like jason ni- schwartzman 19, also like 1950 yeah. yeah and they were saying like oh it totally didn't work and blah, blah blah and i was like i loved that season i don't know it was different and it was a little uh you know like getting into it i i felt was a little tough but like there is it, it i really was dazzled by through. it i loved it oh i, I thought, thought it was it, great i i really i thought it, once i kind of got into it and figured out what was going on i really loved it there are some moments in it that just kind of will stick with me so yeah fargo yeah yeah, totally strong season so i'm uh so this this new season that comes out in november uh focuses on sheriff roy tillman who i'm assuming is played by john ham uh has been on oh sorry set in 2019 fargo season five follows the tumultuous journey of dorothy dot lion a seemingly typical typical midwestern housewife with a hidden past now pursued by law enforcement i wonder if that's going to be juno temple that might that feels like it that feels right oh i actually have a list here yeah that's juno temple uh, john ham is sheriff roy tillman uh joe keery is gator tillman which i believe is uh his son, Jennifer Jason Lee, is Lorraine Lyon. So, um, related to Juno Temple's character. Lamorne Lamor- Morris is in it, uh, who's fantastic. Um, I, you know, he really broke out in The New Girl, but I absolutely love him in the movie Game Night. You'll hear me rave about Game Night uh, anytime oh, yes. I have an opportunity. And Dave Foley is in it as somebody named Danish Graves, which is such a great character name. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So... Uh, and this one, I think, is back in like North Dakota, so it's I don't know, and and more close to, to present day. So 
gonna be a lot of fun. I, I mean, I'm so excited. I'm excited to see how it connects, but I, when, I always enjoyed seeing how the different seasons connect to each other. Yeah, and perhaps there's a way in which this will make the last season fit contextually because the there's last the, season didn't really. I mean, it did. They, it showed a character from one of the other seasons from back in the 50s as a child. But I believe that that's also like theory and maybe not proven. I can't remember the exact details. Cuckoo. <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Hey, All I'm right. cuckoo for that, uh, that, that cuckoo clock noise. Um, all right. We got some more. Let's see what we can cram into this one. We got Beetlejuice 2 updates. Oh, yes. Beetlejuice 2. <laughs> so that one's set to release on uh, September 6th of 2024. We will see what happens uh, because of the strikes and everything. Yeah. Um, I've seen some... Uh, I think there was like one like set photo or like promotional thing of Winona Ryder. Um, but in addition to that, there's a very interesting news article that I read in artnews.com third theft reported from set of Beetlejuice 2 in Vermont and Dan I'm going to show you the picture and you're going to be like whoa really yep your uh, your jaw just dropped okay so it's uh, one of the um, uh, the Delia Dietz sculptures the one that kind of wraps around and grabs people um, so the article says to summon Beetlejuice you need to say his name three times that's also how many times thieves have struck the set of the what a great way to wow. get into an article yeah. a highly anticipated sequel according to Vermont State Police so it's shooting in Vermont um, yeah so there was a there was a theft uh, but that's it's exciting that the you know the movie is happening Willem Dafoe is cast in the movie as an afterlife law enforcement officer which feels so right to me I feel like it's gonna be his character from American Beauty, but just like, or not American Beauty, American Psycho. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Uh, the cast also includes Jenna Ortega, which I believe people probably already know about, Justin Thoreau, and Monica Bellucci. So I, uh, I am excited about it. I mean, it's Jenna Ortega teaming up with Tim Burton again, and uh, you know, it's one of those movies where. Yeah, it might be really bad and it might be really weird, but at least it'll be fun and it's not going to do anything to change um, the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's a little... I am curious to see how they're going to address not having, uh, you know, the Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis characters around because unless there's like de-aging or just all CGI, then it wouldn't really make sense right yeah because they're ghosts from when they died and everything i mean um, i really hope that if, if they're moving forward with this that they've you know thought things out and are i, I don't know this is one i'm like it, you kind of have to hit the bullseye on this i know i mean you'd have to explain away jeffrey jones not being around for it i at least i imagine he's not going to be around for it no but Catherine o'hara maybe i would hope so yeah I, don't, I mean, if her sculptures are uh, are around for it. I mean, I guess the hard thing about saying that characters died is in a movie like that, it's really no reason for them to no. not be in the movie. Absolutely so, not. Um, yeah. I still have a few more, Dan. 
Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel so unprepared. Let me see if I can cram the rest of these into one more round. Okay. I think that I can do this. All right. So I have some uh, Running Man news. So this is actually kind of older news, but I don't think that we brought this up. I don't. I think that we recorded our episode before this came out. But Edgar Wright uh, is directing The Running Man for Paramount, and uh, that for that one, it's not going to be a remake, um, but uh, it's going to be more faithful to the novel. So uh, I'm curious to see how that goes. I mean, Edgar Wright, we love. We've talked about that plenty of times. And so we'll see what happens. It says uh, it's a top priority pick for Paramount uh, and a novel, which King published as Hubert back in 1982, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I feel like also with the strikes, yeah, everything could really get thrown away. And, and we'll see what happens. But... I don't know. It goes into the genre of re-adaptations of novels adapted with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, or just like with the actual like regular looking protagonist, like Total Recall. And, yeah. Uh, was was there another one that they did that I'm not? I, I don't know. Total Recall is the one that I was thinking of. I don't know. No. Um, But anyway, you know, earlier you mentioned, uh, just to move on, uh, you mentioned Eddie Murphy. Uh, There is a Trading Places stage musical set to star Mm -hmm. uh, Freestyle Love Supreme's Anissa Folds in the Eddie Murphy role. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, And this is from an article that came out two months after our episode dropped. But there is a, you know, I think we probably talked about the Taika Waititi uh, animated Flash Gordon film that was going to be happening, but now it is reportedly going to be live action. Okay. So we will see what happens to that. I know that Taika Waititi has like a whole list of upcoming projects, so we'll see what happens and what doesn't happen, but right. I don't know. Uh, also, there's, uh, of course, Sister Act 3. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, I don't think that there's too much to say about that. I think that it's still, you know, we will see what happens, but that is on the horizon. And then uh, the last thing I want to mention is that there is a new Blu-ray for Nothing But Trouble. Yes. So is that Arrow. It's a Shout Factory. Shout Factory. Yeah, and the bonus features have a 2K scan from the Interpositive, new interview with Dan Aykroyd. I mean, you, how can you miss this? New interview with Chevy Chase. New interviews. Uh, with a bunch of other people who were involved, production designers, other actresses in it, costume designers, uh, new interview with the music producer, audio commentary with pop culture historian Russell Dyball. <laughs> that's a lot of special features for a Nothing But Trouble Blu-ray, and it sounds great, and I want it. I would be a lot, if there was some type of director's cut, if there was like, I think a we Rocky, saw the director's cut, like a Rocky versus Drago. No, like, like totally like recut. Uh, I'd be interested in that. But yeah. Well, that pretty much sums it up for all of our news bits. And I think that's just fine since we've already gone over an hour. Uh, Dan, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up our revisitation of our last uh, 200 episodes? 
No, there's there's really nothing that nothing that comes to mind. Of course, like you know, there there, and like you said, uh, these strikes are certainly going to decide the fates of uh of many projects. And, you know, like we could see a lot of things that maybe were kind of like stalling out, just kind of like fall by the wayside. Yeah. The, the the direct RoboCop sequel, perhaps. Uh, and also just there's a continuation. Like I know we have the musical, uh, the Trading Places musical. Yeah. Which I actually I, I think about that and I'm like, eh, there's that's fertile ground for uh, musical adaptation there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Mrs. Doubtfire musical, the Back to the Future m- yeah. musical. So, and, uh, you know, Broadway is not on strike. So that is true. That is true. It is perfect time to or li- live theater. It doesn't yeah. just have to be Broadway. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Dan, let's talk about what we're going to be covering on our next episode of the podcast. Yes, we are going to cover a movie for each state. We're going to cover them all in alphabetical order. And uh, we're taking a road uh, we are trip. going to, uh, you know, we're maybe we're the, traveling. the name we're of the state is in the title of the movie states, or plus the Washington, state itself DC, plays an important plus Puerto Rico. role. The location plays a specific role. It's got to be a movie that really couldn't couldn't take place any anywhere else. It really needs to represent, uh, you know, I think that. You know, that area, that geographical area. With a big priority, if there's a movie that has the name of the, the state in the title and we're able to to stream it on one of the services that we have, then yes. you better bet that that's going to be the priority. So first is going to be Alabama. Dan, what are we going to cover for Alabama? Sweet home Alabama. Dan. Starring Reese with a spoon. <laughs> well, I am so excited to begin this journey with you. And I, we have, uh, this is a full year's worth of episodes. So uh, come along on this journey with us, everybody. If you have any thoughts or if you have uh, a, a very specific N- Nevada uh, movie that you need for us to cover or uh, some, you know, maybe, maybe there's something in Washington state that we haven't thought of. Email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Check out our link tree on the episode's description. There's a, a really great merch store with t-shirts and mugs and all that kind of fun stuff. Plus there's the book that I put out. That's a journal where you can log movies that you've seen uh, fun coffee table centerpiece and uh and all that stuff really goes a long way to help us out and uh, keep the show going so yeah dan i'm excited to go to alabama with you let's i have never been more excited to go to alabama well dan as we travel i guess from italy to uh, no no from boston to italy or wherever else wherever else fletch is going from i wish you a good journey boston to italy to back again good journey